98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bigly Blast. Kyler Murray had a great night on Sunday. His play calling improved tremendously. And his sideline interview with Aaron Andrews was a snippet of what everyone is talking about in Cardinals camp. Namely, that the kid is finally starting to grow up. I mean, when Murray saw Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley lower his shoulder into a defender, he actually said on camera, I would never do that. I laughed out loud at that. Now, Sunday's game also marked a return of the independent study clause, unfortunately. New analyst Sean Payton even said on the broadcast that if you need to put a clause like that in a contract like that, you might not have a franchise quarterback. And unfortunately, that's going to follow around Murray like an unwanted puppy. And that's where Murray, as a play caller, can be misinterpreted. It almost looks like a creative teacher trying to reach an aloof, uninterested student, kind of like we're watching Goodwill Hunt Now, to an outsider, it's almost as if Murray's duties as a play caller are the only way the Cardinals can get him in the playbook. Personally, I love it. And if Murray's game has matured as much as his personality, then I believe the Cardinals are in good hands. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I think there was a lot of negativity around the building, a lot of negativity around the team that kind of just got contagious and took over. And I think um, a lot of the guys felt that. We understand what you know what we need to do next uh, and how to take that next step. Obviously, it's been a great camp. The guys are working hard, and we're excited about the season. Skyler Murray, part of the interview Bick mentioned in the uh, blast with Aaron Andrews from Fox last night. Murray, not not in uniform again, but did contribute. Took over play calling duties in the uh, third quarter last night. Actually, led a cut, couple of uh, touchdown plays, and um, I, you know it, it, it was. You know, we're, we're parsing over a lot of stuff mm-hmm. here, but it was a good performance by mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. Uh, he's got a lot of doubters now, and just as we expected, that independent study addendum that was put into the contract, then removed from the contract, will be fodder yep. for his whole career, and it is right now. I don't know if you saw it, um, since it was a nationally televised game, there wasn't a Fox Network studio pregame show. Yes. It picked up at 5 o'clock, and then they had a few minutes of ramp up to kick off. But mm-hmm. they did have a local Fox 10 pregame show. So it was a lot of the Fox 10 personnel, and um, you know Richard Sines was kind of the ringleader. But um, one of the news anchors that was on the panel at the end of the show, is getting, he, he made a crack about, oh, did, did, did he do enough work in study hall? Yeah. And you're like, right. this is not going away no, until not. he makes it go away. No, it's not. And and being a nationally televised game, they came out, and, and the first storyline was, can the Cardinals be the third consecutive team to win a Super Bowl in their own stadium? It just happened with Tampa, and it just happened with the Rams. Will the Cardinals be the third? Then the second item was the homework clause that that came out, became part of a debate, and that's when Sean Payton relayed what I just relayed to everybody in the blast, where he raised the question that if you feel like you have to put that clause in a contract, what does it really say about the quality of your franchise quarterback? Unfortunately, that is that's not Kyler Murray's fault, and this is going to follow him around, yeah. and it, that, that part is very unfortunate to me. And, and I'd also also believe the more that he does this play calling routine, the more it can be misinterpreted. Not by us, but I'm just saying if you're on the outside looking in and now Kyler Murray is calling plays in a preseason 
game after the the uh, study addendum was uh, was one of the hottest stories in football for the span of three days. You might wonder if they're related. And, and you might wonder if this is just a desperation attempt. This is what we have to do to get this guy to pay attention to our playbook. This is the kind of thing that that stupid study addendum is going to create and has created for this football. Yeah, but again, I, I, I think this goes back. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts I have here. I, I don't think Sean Ballard's. Uh, Sean, 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 Sean Payton. Sean Payton's point is invalid, but then again, how much can you trust a guy who wears low-cut white socks with Thank a suit you. on national Thank television? You. Yes, I agree with you. Um, you know, the knowledge of the offense has always been a thing since Kyler Murray stepped on the first OTA field as the member of the Arizona Cardinals. What did everybody say? He knows this offense already. He knows all the plays. This isn't about knowing what the Cardinals do. That study addendum was put in to build a knowledge of what the opponents are doing to stop what the Cardinals do. And maybe that's where, you know, studying your playbook is different from watching film. Mm-hmm. Watching film is about the opponent and how they're attacking you. So I think that's a, 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 a thing right there. And I wonder, too, this whole activity and, and, and process that we've seen now for two weeks running in, in preseason games where there's live reps going on mm-hmm. for the whole world to see what does this do for Kyler Murray's ability to audibleize what you know oh, after, after, the, after they break interesting. huddle I don't know I can't say with any certainty what the percentage of audibling has been with Kyler Murray at quarterback for three years but I imagine it'll be higher this year with this little bit of experience that he's getting Cliff Kingsbury can call the play and he can lay out that sequence of plays, but Kyler Murray breaks huddle, and whether he's under center or in the shotgun, and he sees something, how much freedom, how much now more confidence does he have to make those calls? That's a great question. How much? Yeah, the freedom. I, does he have the green light to do that? That's that's interesting in and of itself. I, I do think that this is one of uh, Cliff Kingsbury's more um, creative ventures as a head coach and I do think that it as a base what it does is it it humanizes Kyler Murray it makes him vulnerable because it, we saw the first couple times he did it the whole vibe of it was wow that's harder than it looks and everybody had a good laugh mm-hmm. about that and then last night he seemed to be into it and my favorite part of it all is you know when they when they got that touchdown and made it a one score game you could see how jacked up they all were Kyler Murray's running back to Garantano and he's they're huddling up talking about what plays they're going to call when they get the ball back. That's the other thing that does, though, is it keeps him engaged That's, in these games yeah. that we know on the record he says he absolutely cannot stand, yeah. does, has no purpose for, does not right. like. So it keeps him engaged and, like, you know, into the game yeah. with this team. But I think we should be happy about the results, too, because we saw the two drives. And, yeah, was it hard for that to be carried out when you're, when you're up your 36 points and, and you've got a well, comfortable lead against Cincinnati? If Kyler Murray had called two or three series again last night and gone three and out one, two, three times, they might scrap the whole thing and say, you know what, Kyler, you're not ready for this just yet. Maybe. Don't want to discourage you. But the fact that they had success, the Cardinals might well, not go all year with a six. 16 play scoring drive that covers eight and a half minutes. Let's be honest about it. That's got to build a little confidence. Yeah, th- that drive though also included a fourth down conversion. I mean, that thing was very close to being a nothing yes. burger itself. Yes. And then this, and then the second touchdown was was an interception from our guy Wooten, who is the defensive star of that game, man. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but but either way, I I do think it, it's it's helped it's helped bring him 
to a, a to a different place in in the context of the team. And I think I think that's the genius of it all. If he is a guy that is more like a baseball player in nature, meaning baseball players are are they're taught to to, to prepare themselves and they're just they get ready for the game. You get ready for the game, and we all play our part. Football is a little different. Mm-hmm. There's a little more interaction that's 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 kind of needed at that level. And if this accomplishes that, then it's then it's been well worth it. It has been well worth it. But again, it's just last night was proof that all it's going to take is one really bad game, and people are going to say, oh, "Is he not studying?" It's it just the effects of that are just oh. still boggle the mind. It, it it is so puzzling. Oh yeah, why those two sides went down that road? Yeah, maybe. And, and you have to believe, even at this juncture, Bick, that they were both just hoping that nobody got a hold of that. Mm-hmm. That that went mm-hmm. by the wayside. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna look up this contract in the portal and and, and pour over things. But that baseball possibility is what necessitated that whole thing from the yeah. Isn't that the truth? If Kyler Murray didn't play baseball, we'd never know about the independent study addendum. Yeah, well... And don't yeah. you think now, after this finding from Ian Rappaport, every single big contract that comes out, they're going to be reading through every page. Yeah, because... Just yeah, to see what kind of weird stuff goes and in. And to see what levels of guaranteed money are going to be there. But you're, but you're right about that. If, if you're not looking, going looking for the baseball element, maybe that doesn't see the light of day. Because that's what Rappaport said. That's what he was looking for. What's the language like in the state Stipulations on a baseball career for Kyler Murray, and we learned those too. But we learned about this, huh. and that's that's a hard uh, thing to shake. I mean, uh-huh. there's certain things that can help you shake that. That's, and I think there's two of them: eventually winning an MVP or winning a Super Bowl. You do those two things, nobody's going to talk about that's it anymore. True. What was following Matthew Stafford into the postseason last year? Never won a playoff couldn't, game. Couldn't play well you, in the postseason. You're not going to hear that this year because he played well and they won a Super Bowl. That's how you That's how you killed true. us. Well said. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Trace McSorley. Well, it wasn't the same performance we saw against Cincinnati last night. We'll get into the uh, quarterback performances for the Cardinals straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Day. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata mornings. Go up tempo. McSorley throws, and it's picked off on the near side at the 45-yard line by Williams, bringing it back to midfield into Cardinal territory, and Ingram on the tackle at the 35-yard line. They're going to spread it out here. Doesn't mean they won't run it, but they spread two receivers left and one right and put McSorley in shotgun. Ingram to his right, third down and goal from the one. Snap McSorley, keeps it, runs straight ahead into the end zone for the touchdown. And it spikes it and spins the ball like a top on the ground. The Cardinals get their first touchdown of the game. Yeah, it wasn't easy for Trace McSorley to get into the end zone. No. He got decked at the uh, the goal line on one play. He got blown up. He had that diving play where he had his offhand hit the pylon, and they called back a touchdown. The third time was the charm. He got into the end zone. Kind of, uh, in my opinion, a little sampling of the good and the bad of Trace McSorley last night. Again, keep in mind, we are breaking down the performance of a projected Mm -hmm. third-string quarterback in a preseason game, but not the same magic that he had last week. There was some glimpses of the athleticism and extension of plays, but overall, 18-34, 229, and the two picks, a quarterback rating of 49.8. Which is not good. I've seen a lot of people, not a lot, I've seen a handful of people describe his performance 
performance is poor. That didn't strike me that way watching the game live. Well, I, I mean, I he thought had, he was okay. He I had thought, a touchdown pass dropped by yeah, Bolden. Yeah, and and I think he showed a lot of the evasiveness and the elusiveness in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I think that he there was some good stuff. And the kid is obviously very tough. Uh, and and listen, he he when he played football at Penn State, people compared him to like Johnny Manziel, like. Yeah, right? a little bit. Johnny Manziel the swagger. Without, without the nonsense. Johnny Manziel. So uh, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was good. Uh, what what he looked like last night? He, he didn't look like a superstar in waiting. Like he looks like he looks like what he is a prospect, mm-hmm. a guy who's got some good stuff in him. And, and, and probably still a guy with that performance, Bick, yeah. that you don't want to expose to other teams. I, I wouldn't. I, I look at this kid, and if I were the Cardinals, I would want to, I would want to keep this kid in my back pocket for the future down the road. He seems to me to be a very, very able backup for Kyler Murray once Colt McCoy is done playing football. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it does bring up the, the question here. You, you watched Tyler Huntley last night. And Tyler Huntley's the backup quarterback in Baltimore, not the third string. He's the backup. And and he looked really good to me. Is it important that Colt McCoy gets on the field this weekend against Nashville? Should he? Or is this something where Cliff Kingsbury, as a head coach, is a guy that has always gotten ready for for college seasons without the benefit, or that's not even the right word, without the impediment of, <laughs> of preseason game and exhibition football? The existence of preseason football? He probably, yeah, I mean, from his own personal experience, he probably thinks this is as stupid as Kyler Murray does. And he's made it clear what he thinks about exposing some of his key players in, in the preseason. He's not interested. A lot of coaches are. Um, a lot of coaches do want their football players to get a little calloused in some of these games. Then again, look, if you're a Giants fan, you just exposed Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, he might be okay. He might not be. But that's the kind of risk you take in these games. And it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I had a flashback, by the way. After seeing the Kayvon Thibodeau play, and if you don't know, uh, Thaddeus Moss, the guy who had two holding penalties against the Cardinals last mm-hmm. week, he came in on a running play and, and cho- not chop block, a, uh, a cut block. So went low on Thibodeau, who did not have the right positioning and got his leg caught up. He left the game. There was, you know, he finally walked off under his own power, but there was some footage of Kayvon Thibodeau in street clothes after the game walking out and cameras catching him and people saying, how are you? And he's like, oh, I'm fine. The last time we heard that, Chris Johnson. that was Chris Johnson lying <laughs> to Dan Bickley's face. Yes, he was. <laughs> and I got a little a little hint for you, too. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to get hurt a lot because that's what happened to him in college. Oh, it did? Okay, gotcha. Just got nagged by a lot of different so stuff. So Thaddeus Moss has had himself quite a quite an interesting <laughs> preseason, hasn't he? He has. And there's this debate going on on whether or not that's a dirty play. It's a legal play. People just don't like to see it on, the a, on, a, on a top five draft pick yeah. in the preseason. Cut back block in the preseason. Yeah. Um, but I think you hit on an interesting point on, on McSorley, um, and that is maybe not for this year. And if you can stash him away on your 53, we've seen Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim opt to take three quarterbacks oh, yeah. out of camp and, and keep them on the roster. Colt McCoy is not going to be here forever. Colt McCoy is a luxury as a backup quarterback right yeah. now because he is so experienced and has been around the block as many times as he has. But, you know, you can groom over the course of this contract now maybe Trace McSorley to be the backup for, for Kyler Murray. Well, and it, I think yeah. he's still shown enough good stuff where if you if you cut him 
I don't know if he gets through waivers. It's going to be hard for you to get him back on the practice squad. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, And I also think that Colt McCoy, I I wonder what the Cardinals think about the contract they just gave him. Colt McCoy had some leverage because he performed so well as a backup last year, going 2-1 and in Kyler Murray's uh, absence. And he completed 75% of his passes in that stint, too. He played really well. Uh, So his his salary, not this year, but in 2023, it's $3.75 million, which is a little steep for a backup quarterback, and $2.25 million of that is fully guaranteed. So I think what you're looking at is two more years of Colt McCoy, regardless. Okay. Maybe that'll be a long time to stash Trace McSorley. That's what I'm then. saying. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, McSorley did talk last night after the game on his uh, early struggles in that ballgame. Yeah, I had some easier throws I could take in early in the progressions. Uh, I was trying to get to two and three a little bit too more, just take the first one in the progression. Um, you know, got got one hit, kind of settled me down and was able to kind of get into a rhythm there. But, you know, I think that's the same thing going back. We'll watch the tape and I'll, I'll judge myself harder than anybody. So uh, we'll go back to it, uh, see what I can do to improve and, and get better from there. I thought his best stretch was in the second quarter. He had a good uh, couple back-to-back throws on very similar routes. Uh, he hit Bolden for 23 and then Dorch for 34, which, again, uh, you know, not again, but it was pointed out on Fox by the analyst Greg Olson, who's really polished for a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience, and that's why he's on the number one team. But he pointed out the coverage as being different, so McSorley, had to, on the same pattern, had to make two different throws. Yeah. One against man coverage, one against zone coverage with a, you know, a, a, a defender extending his arm. Uh, I thought that was his best stretch. But overall, it was, it was a step back. Um, your question on McCoy is interesting. Do we need to see anything from Colt McCoy in this preseason game against Nashville? You know, the, the sore arm or the tired arm came up a couple times on the broadcast last night. You wonder how much of, a, of an issue that still is. And if he wants to get some reps before the regular season. Best case, Probably doesn't need it. Best case scenario is we don't see Colt McCoy on the field this year. Other yeah, than other than mop up handoff duty well, and maybe taking go. a knee, there you go. The second half of blogs, that's, yeah. that's where you want to see him. Yeah, and so there's that. So I don't know. I don't know who you're going to see in this last preseason game. My guess is probably not a whole lot of anybody. We already know JJ Watt. For those who don't know, JJ Watt tested positive for COVID nineteen. His preseason's done. So you just hope that there's nothing lingering with this that affects him when the games. Start again. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray said even he, he he feels it a little bit. The effect, the lingering effects of it all. Really? Mm-hmm. And then when they do have that extra week after the last preseason game, so who knows what they're going to do in this third one? Yeah. Because while it is like the last game, which they never play anybody in, they do have that extra week off before the regular season. So maybe we see some of the same handful of starters that we've been seeing. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, I just had a thought, per- a personal thought on that. Oh, on the lingering effects. I had COVID back in January, mm-hmm. and I've felt crappy ever since. <laughs> and before. <laughs> yeah, that's the amazing thing. You felt crappy before it. You had preemptive mm-hmm. crappy feeling. His I wife so is pregnant, too, I, so you do want to think about that. Yeah, that's true. J.J. Watts, not yours. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you do have to keep that in mind. Um, I thought getting COVID would make me feel better. It didn't work out that way. Uh, coming up next, we'll continue to break down the Cardinals, their preseason performance. Howard Balzer from SI.com will join us straight ahead. You want to do it, Vic? How old is he, Jarrett? <laughs> Howard Bolzer? <laughs> Gonna do that Come to on, a future Jarrett. guest? He's old as very old. <laughs> <laughs>
Jared, you made a, references so old that I didn't even understand them. Jared is not comfortable making old references now, now that, that he's forty. Now that I'm already <laughs> right, right. entered my fifth decade. We'll talk to Howard Balzer next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. We continue on the Monday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios. Talking a lot about the uh, Cardinals' preseason loss to the Baltimore Ravens. The juggernaut preseason Ravens, 24-17. Here to help us uh, break it down further from SI.com, the all-Cardinals site there. Howard Balzer joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Howard. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Um, I said my biggest takeaway uh, from last night's game, Howard, wasn't anything to do with the Cardinals. It was that it's pretty clear that the Baltimore Ravens take preseason seriously. Did, did you have a different big takeaway from that game? <laughs> no, they definitely do. I mean, there's no question about it. And a lot of the uh, Cardinals players were talking about it during the week, especially Marquise Brown with his experience there. Trace McSorley, of course, was part has was part of the five of the victories in this streak when he was with the Ravens. So, you know, John Harbaugh says, well, I mean, we don't go in just saying we have to win, we have to win, and obviously there's no game planning in these games, but as this streak has gone on, they want to keep it going. Uh, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> the one thing the Cardinals avoided, I was looking at, looking at this going into last night, of the 21 straight wins, 11 of them were double-digit victories. Yep. And at least the Cardinals avoided that <laughs> with their two fourth-quarter yep. touchdowns. But other than that, like you said, not, not a whole lot to take away uh, from this game. The one thing I'm always saying, you know, what's the big takeaway for me? There's only one of these left. That's, 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 that's good news. That. All right, who who through your eyes through these first two games has flashed to the point where where they've gotten your attention? I'll, I'll tell you the, the guys at wide receiver and whether they're competing for one or two spots who knows what it'll be obviously DeAndre Hopkins won't be on the roster to start the season the health of Antoine Wesley is up in the air at this point even though it still is three weeks until the first game but Andy Isabella I mean it's he looks like a different guy and he's making plays Greg Dortch I mean Victor Bolden didn't practice that much this past week because of an injury and he came in last night and he made some plays so those three guys I don't know if they're competing for one spot maybe two to at least open the season but they've you know they've shown that they can make plays and they're all small guys uh, but George also a very good punt returner so I think how the Cardinals flesh that position out is is going to be you know is going to be a big question The, the other thing at running back I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody knows right now who the number two running back is. Yeah. And, I mean, Darrell Williams has hardly played. You know, Benjamin has been okay. Uh, Keontae Ingram has, has played pretty well. In fact, when they got down to the one-yard line there in the first half and couldn't get it in, I'm thinking, and that was, I, th- I think Jonathan Ward had been hurt already, and I'm thinking, put Ingram in there uh, from the one-yard one line. They couldn't get in. But, you know, he, he's been impressive, too. So those are going to be two positions to watch over the next nine or eight days, really, because the cut the 
53 is a week from tomorrow. Howard Balzer from SI.com, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Going back to the wide receiver spot, and you hit on some great stuff there, Howard. Bick and I were talking about it earlier, though. If it came down to, and you're right, the, the Antoine Wesley situation, I think, complicates matters in terms of roster construction. But if it comes down to one wide receiver spot between Dortch and Andy Isabella, and they both played well, as you pointed out, how much weight does Andy Isabella being a second-round pick four drafts ago, does that still hold any weight? I don't know that it really does. And for this reason, I say that. I mean, he was a second-round pick last year, and he could hardly get on the field. Uh, he was inactive for a whole bunch of games. And at the end of the season, uh, Dortch uh, was active and not Andy Isabella. And I think that was for what he can he can give you on, on special teams. And I think that, that can be a plus. I mean, kickoff returns really, as we know, don't matter that much anymore. But putt returns can change, obviously, field position. I think that's one thing that Dortch brings. Obviously, Isabella has more experience more experience in the offense, so that could potentially help him. But, man, Greg Dortch, whether it's practice, whether it's games, he just finds a way to make plays. So that's who I might uh, favor right now, and we'll, we'll see, though, how it, like I said, how it plays out. How concerned are you about the state of this underfunded defense with the Cardinals? Yeah. You know, it's especially a corner. You keep looking at this, and I, I remember when Cliff Kingsbury said in minicamp back in June that he said, "Well, I would expect one or two guys uh, to be signed," and that was right before they signed Josh Jackson, and he was signed at the end of uh, a minicamp, and so he's. I mean, he's had ups and downs. He's made some plays, but then he's been beat on others. Uh, the depth there is very questionable, and it would it would shock me if there's not another guy isn't added to the to that group at some point in these next couple of weeks. Everyone keeps throwing out the name Robert Alford. I don't know what his health status is. You'd think that if he was healthy, perhaps something would have happened on him already. But whether the Cardinals are looking at the waiver wire, whether it's a trade, whatever it might be, it's hard to imagine going into the regular season with the group that they have right now at that spot. So that that definitely is a question mark. Hard to tell though in a lot of things. I mean you have backups in there, you're playing against backups and all that, and obviously it'll look different when the season starts, but this defense is going to be challenged because you don't want necessarily a situation where the offense is almost forced to score 30 points in a game to win. We know the Cardinals are capable of it, but that's just not sustainable week after week after week. So it's going to be, it'll be curious to see what, what they do with this defense and when they get the main guys in there how much of a difference that makes, obviously. Howard Balzer from the All Cardinals SI.com site, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Got our first look at Trey McBride on the field. Only got targeted twice, no catches. Was completely outshined on the other side by another rookie tight end and Isaiah Likely. But uh, for somebody who's been at camp as much as you have and, and being at practice as much as you have, uh, where is your excitement level? Uh, does it match the Cardinals' excitement level from what you've seen on Trey McBride? I think overall... It does, but it has to be tempered now with the fact that he did miss a bunch of practice Mm -hmm. because of some tightness in his back. And how much did that affect him last night? Who who can say? But he certainly wasn't getting much separation. But the the guy's a talented player. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And how he'll be utilized when the main offense is in there will be the question. And we'll have to to wait and see on that. But the the guy definitely has ability. And I, I do think that he can 
can ha- be an impact on this team. Is it right away when the season starts? Perhaps not, but I think in time he's he's going to be a big part of this offense. Watching Kyler Murray call plays has been very entertaining. It's been an unexpected diversion. What what do you expect or what do you suspect is the the genesis behind all of this? I, I, I think. <laughs> It's a great question. I think it's a combination of things, and Kingsbury's talked about keeping him involved and things like that, and getting a view of what it's like. And so, you know, maybe sometimes when he he he, he wonders about, oh, that that play call, why is Cliff Kingsbury doing that? What's going on here? He has a little more understanding of that. I thought it was interesting last night on that fourth and ten play, which ended up being their last offensive play, and he throws a deep ball down the right sideline to John Trey Kirkland, and I. Asked Kingsbury about that off the game. That was typical Kyler, wasn't he? he? Said, "Oh yeah, he wanted to take a shot. We were trying to tell him go for something, you know, just try to get the first down. But he wanted to take a shot. That's something that Kyler Murray would do. And we don't know how many times maybe he's done that, gone against the play call that Cliff Kingsbury sent in. So I, I think overall, keep him involved and be a part of the offense, and and then understand what what Kingsbury's going through when he has those headsets on on the sideline and he's on the field." listening for the play call. Howard Balzer, our guest uh, from SI.com. Howard, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, Take don't care. let Jared give you any grief there, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> give it right back to him, Howard. We always do. We always do. <laughs> thanks, Howard. I know. I, I hear it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Howard joined us on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, if not Phoenix or Golden State, could Kevin Durant actually end up in the Western Conference outside of those two cities? A new report suggests that might be possible. We'll get into that and more next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. It is the Monday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Auction Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Sarah Cazell, Jarrett Carlin, taking you up until uh, 10 o'clock. Um, a lot of football today. Lots of football. Today. Yes. A uh, little bit of basketball to get into now as well. Uh, Sham Sharania, Sham Sharania, I always call him Shams, Sham Sharania from The Athletic and uh, on uh, theathletic.com has got a new piece out uh, this morning. Where things stand on Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell trade talks with a month until camp. His inside pass. And he's got some interesting stuff in here. Okay. Uh, including an offer that was apparently floated to Brooklyn by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, that offer was John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and a draft pick for Kevin Durant. I imagine that did, those talks didn't go very far. Yeah. Uh, he also suggests uh, recently a new team has shown interest in Durant, the Memphis Grizzlies. League sources tell The Athletic, fresh off a 56-win season, the Grizzlies have made new inquiries to the Nets about Durant, those sources added. Memphis has five first-round picks available, four unprotected selections of its own, and one protected via Golden State in 2024 to theoretically utilize in a trade as well as young players like Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, Kennedy Chandler, and David Roddy. Right. Um, I'll say this. Yeah. First and foremost, the idea of Kevin Durant in Memphis should scare everybody in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I think that's very safe to say. Putting Ja Morant with Kevin Durant would be quite a... Morant and Durant? Quite a rhyming feast, wouldn't it? 
The uh, Shams has also pointed out that the Grizzlies or sources close to the Grizzlies have said Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain will not be involved in, in any package. So how do you expect to get Kevin Durant in return? Uh, again, it's just it. I, I don't understand what it's. You can't have it both ways. You can't acquire Kevin Durant and keep your team eighty five percent intact. It's ridiculous. It's like the reports that the Suns don't. You know, is Cam Johnson enough? Yeah, they don't have to include Mikel Bridges, right? And it's of, of course that's not enough. But this is also this article also marks the first time I've ever seen it put. To to uh, to the written word mm-hmm. this succinctly in, in, about the Suns and what they have offered. He writes, right. the Phoenix Suns similarly similarly I have really problems with that. <laughs> similarly, <laughs> yeah, with that word have dangled a package around all defensive wing Mikel Bridges and a handful of first round picks, which has not picked up any steam. Uh, with the Nets, league sources said that's about as concrete. A report as we've had on who's been offered or what's been offered from the Suns mm-hmm. to the Brooklyn Nets. Is interesting. It not? Yeah. Yes, it is. It's very interesting to me. And the fact that the Suns have been trying to get creative involving other teams. And this is this is really kind of the holdup. If you if you ask me, the Suns need help at, at external help to get this done. And yet there seems to be this movement inside the NBA. Don't facilitate anybody trying to get this deal done for whatever reason which is kind of why the Suns seem to be such an, an outsider uh, I, I don't know to me if it, Brooklyn's got a choice to make here because if DeAndre Ayton is available on January 15th and DeAndre Ayton wouldn't mind being moved to Brooklyn with Mikhail Bridges you can't convince me there's a better package out there for them now the Boston package does look interesting but I don't know if Boston's willing to give up that second player yeah, because whether it's Marcus Smart or the, Robert Williams or, and, and or the, whoever, and Sham has reported that they have not included those guys in That's those right. talks right now. That's it's right, just kind of Jalen Brown and other pieces with, with draft picks. And I, I, I'll stick by this. I mean, of all the rumors we've heard, Jalen Brown is the best player. I, I still don't think he's a finished player. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of holes in his game, and we saw those in the NBA Finals where his his ball handling and, and playmaking was atrocious at times. Mm-hmm. But he's a two-way guy who can score you 20 to 25 points a game. So, that, I mean, that's attractive. A two-way player that could shoot the three. We all know that's currency. But if that's not enough, may, and maybe as time passes, that becomes enough for the Nets. Yeah. Maybe, but, but see, but that's that's the situation that they can't g- give into. They just can't say, okay, let's take the best of these terrible deals in front of us. That, to me, if I were the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, that's where I would call Adam Silver. You ever seen this guy, Jared? That's oh when I would. God. That's when I would call Adam Silver and say, <laughs> "You got to help me out here because this is not. I'm getting played here, and this ain't right." I've done everything you want me to do as an owner, as a partner in this league. I've spent money to bring a star to my team, and I'm getting played here, and this ain't right. So to me, if I were ranking the players by value, I think Jalen Brown is the best player in all the rumors we've heard so far. Uh, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. would probably be second. Mikhail would you be third. you put him over Mikhail? I would. Yeah, He's I, a great it, defender. He led the league in block shots. He's a terrible rebounder for his size. That's true. He is a wonky three-point shot that I don't think will ever be a consistent good shot because the the, the mechanics are so off. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't stay healthy. 
This past year was the anomaly yeah. because he's, he hasn't been healthy in his career. I'm, I'm only going by the small sample size of what I saw from him last year, and I thought he was much improved last year. He from was. What I saw. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I listen, and I, and I love Mikael Bridges, so I, I I don't know much of, enough about Jaron Jackson Jr. to fold all that other stuff in there. It's just kind of my take on it. I just think if the Phoenix Suns want to get this thing done, Mikael Bridges is the centerpiece. It's it's not going to get it done. Because I don't think the Nets are going to are going to take this big of a haircut on a deal. Well, let me ask I don't you, know. Let me ask you this question about Mikel Bridges' ceiling because we know what he is offensively, and he's gotten better in that role. Mm-hmm. He plays very much within the offense. They don't draw up a lot of stuff for him. How much more room do you think he has in a, as an offensive player to grow? I don't know. It's a, do you think uh, he can be a twenty point scorer? I don't know about that. I I, I don't was, know either. Yeah. But I I think a lot of that has to that doubt has to do with how he's been employed, especially the last three seasons. Seasons with a with a fair to really good Suns team. You get him in a system where he can run the floor and and get out and transition a lot. I, I think that that's that that's something. And then then as you know, uh, it, covering the in covering the league, it, to to be that kind of scorer, you have to you have to get to the point where much of the offense is built around you, or much of the offense is cool with you taking whatever volume of shots you deem appropriate. Mm-hmm. That's generally. The agreement great players have with their teams in basketball that you're going to expect X amount of production from me, so I'm going to get X amount of freedom to give you that production. Mikhail seems to be in that that category that's not quite there. He gets what's given to him on any given night, and he doesn't complain. And about he doesn't it. complain about and that it. combination. Is I think very valuable for a championship level team. So we saw it. Hey. What are the comparisons in the past? Mikel Bridges to Sean Marion, right? Yeah. Sean Marion wanted a bigger piece of the pie, and that was the down part of the downfall of the Suns. I would much rather the Phoenix Suns trade Mikael. I'm sorry. I would much rather them trade DeAndre Ayton than Mikael Bridges. Personally, I would much rather them trade a combination of DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. And and keep McHale. That's how much I think of McHale. I would not want that piece out of here. The only counter to that would be they have, in theory, McHale Bridges' replacement in Cam Johnson if they traded him. Whereas if really? they lose... Cam Johnson's going to guard the other team's best score on a nightly basis. Don't forget that. Don't forget the heavy lifting Cam Johnson... I'm sorry. <laughs> McHale Bridges gives this team across the board like that. You know, it's if you're a great defensive guard in the NBA, say and say you generally have to take the best backcourt player on the mm-hmm. other team. Four nights out of five, that's going to be a very hard assignment. That fifth night, you might get a matchup where it's like, okay, I got this guy in lockdown. The fifth night, you might play the Kings. Yeah, Mikael Bridges doesn't have that luxury. It's you go guard LeBron, go guard Kawhi. Go, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just stupid or if stuff. Kawhi's like, hurt, like he probably will be. Guard Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul George. George. Yeah. Uh, and now Jason Tatum was working out with Kevin Durant, too, and that went public, so people are freaking out about that. There must be something there. Here yeah. was Jason Tatum on that. They exaggerate everything I do, right? Mm-hmm. I've known KD since I was in high school. We were on the USA team together. We spent five weeks together last year from Vegas to Tokyo. We won a gold medal. Like, you know, we have a, a, a bond. Like, that's my yeah. brother. Um, and it's like, I'm not too proud to say Katie's one of the best players ever. So if like one of the best players wants to work out with you and I could learn some things from him, like why would I say no? And it's just if if you worry about too, if you worry too much about what other people think are going to say, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy that 
I can't work out with somebody. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's all it was. We was working out together. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to get better. No, you can't do it. KD was working out with James Harden in, in uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Ibiza? And, uh, no, no, Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> and the reports of their workouts went viral. Vicente. Vicente. <laughs> so, you, to Jason Tatum's point, you can't work out with anybody. If it becomes well, public, everybody freaks out. But, but I also think in the case of Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, if you're Kevin Durant and the Boston thing is a newcomer, it, it, it would make sense that you'd want to see if you, could, if you can vibe with a guy. Yeah. True. That is true. Uh, coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour in style with some social studies. Sarah Cazell back to take us through it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.